Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And we're in for extra time. Kia ora and welcome to RNZ Extra Time. I'm Stephen Hewson. Well, after much toing and froing, the All Blacks have finally got a couple of tests confirmed for the year. They'll play the Wallabies in two Bledisloe Cup matches in Wellington and Auckland next month, with the government having relaxed the quarantine rules, meaning the Australians will be able to train together in isolation. The All Blacks will then hopefully head off to Australia for the Rugby Championship, although that seems to be up in the air with doubts over whether South Africa and Argentina will play. Doubts too over whether some key All Blacks will make the trip too. Suggestions some may opt out of the tour which is shaping up as a nine-week expedition with several weeks of quarantine involved at the beginning and end. This is what All Blacks coach Ian Foster had to say on the matter earlier this week. I haven't heard from any player at all that they're not coming. What I've heard from some players is that they've got some questions. And that, that's a completely different thing and purely natural. But it's um, there's also a reality of being a professional sports person too. So it's balancing the family side with... You know, last year we went to a World Cup for seven weeks and and this week we've got to go to Aussie and play a rugby championship for seven weeks and then you've got two weeks quarantining on the end. So, look, we all know it's not ideal and we all know that it's an imperfect world we live in, but they are the cards that we've been dealt with and, um, and so what we have to do is make sure that we work with them to do the best we can. That's All Blacks coach Ian Foster. Joining us on Extra Time this week, uh, White Ferns cricketer Susie Bates from Quarantine in Queensland as they prepare for games against Australia. Rob Nickel of the Rugby Players Association, commentator Hamish Bidwell and RNZ rugby reporter Joe Porter. Joe, if we start with you, it's been quite a mission getting these tests for the All Blacks. First off, the Aussies grabbed the rugby championship and then we're talking of not even coming across to play here. So what's finally got things across the line for the Bledisloe matches? Well, it appear the major hurdle, of course, was the quarantine rules surrounding what the Wallabies could and couldn't do when they came here and had to go into self-isolation. So the government relaxing the rules around that, allowing them to train as a team after three days of negative tests throughout that squad in New Zealand. So they can essentially get straight into it down in Christchurch, which frees them up to prepare the way they would like to prepare ahead of two fairly you know, difficult tests. So essentially it was them not having enough time to prepare. They didn't want to come over here, be stuck in quarantine, only having you know several of their groups training together in little pods before coming together as a team rather towards the end of that preparation time. So that was the major major stumbling block there. Of course, there's a few Sanzar politics, as the Prime Minister mentioned, that roll on in that area. But, yeah, largely it was the quarantine rules, not allowing the Wallabies to have enough time to, pre- to prepare. That has been relaxed, and now everything seems to have been agreed. You're hearing, though, that there's going to be possibly some key players, like Bowden Barrett, TJ Perinara, that, that won't make that trip to Australia. I think a major sticking point was the the Christmas quarantine back in New Zealand seemed to be a big issue for some players, not wanting to do that. Understandable when you've got a young family. Obviously, I was well off the mark with Richie Mwanga, so I will apologise again for that. My source is trusted, though, and I believe that there are some players that may not make the trip if it does end up being a nine-week haul. Look, the way it's looking at the moment, South Africa and Argentina are looking less and less likely, in my opinion, of coming over. So it might just be two return tests back in Sydney, and that would suit the players, I imagine, far more. But, yep, it's looking like some players will miss 
the trip if it is a full nine weeks it's a long time to be away from family if you do have young children and of course if something happens back at home you can't just jump on a plane and head back like you could say from the World Cup last year you're going to have to go into two weeks of quarantine so there's no easy way to get back to your family if something goes wrong a few things to work through in that in that regard in terms of players particularly I think with young families or expecting children in the next month or so Rob Nicola of the Players Association Rob how many players are you anticipating are going to opt out of this trip? No, well, so far, like we're getting around all of them individually and pulling the plan together, and everyone's saying, well, we've got to stop and look and see what the final plan looks like. But a couple of things. One, they all want to go. Um, 100%, it's what they aspire to be a part of. It's, it's their career, but, you know, it's representing the country. It's been the all-black environment. So the starting point is they all want to, all want to, all want to play. And, and then, you know, there's some personal circumstances. Um, you know, baby's been born. Uh, very special time and all those sort of things and what can be worked into the plan to help cater for that, where it affects individuals and until we've, until we've worked that up you know, we're not necessarily going to know the outcome but at this stage everyone's looking at it with a view to wanting to go and wanting to be a part of it and, and wanting to do really well. But it's interesting um, just picking up on what Joe said, you know, we've been looking at plans around all back schedules for, for three months now and not once have we contemplated uh, being in quarantine over Christmas. So all, all of the, I think one of the challenges that all the teams are going to have to deal with is the fact that we've, we've got to be out of Australia by the 6th of December. That's kind of the date that everyone's talking about. So clearly the draw has got to be looked at very closely and be quite innovative, but you're looking at six test matches over five weeks to make sure that no one is in quarantine over Christmas because that was never going to work for anyone. So that, that's been out of the equation, never really been part of it. Um, the major one is is that length of time away from home, but even beyond that, it's more about where every individual is at and what they've got going on in their family and personal lives and how that fits into some of the ideas you can use, whether you bring over a few guys a bit later. Some people might want to be able to, you know, might be able to come home earlier and what that looks like. Foster said no to that though, hasn't he? Or oh, he has? Um, no, I don't think anyone said no to anything. To no, I think he did the other day. I'm pretty sure he said that they have to go for the whole time or not go at all. Uh, well, put it this way, half an hour ago, speaking in the New Zealand Rugby Union, no one had said no to it. So <laughs> still on the table, still on the table being looked at. The, the plan hasn't been finalised. Um, so, you know, we're, we're still, obviously the other part to that is, um, is actually the Australian government's um, approach around that because there was two parts to it. One is you had to find a state that was prepared to host this tournament and wanted to host it in Australia. The second part is the federal government being comfortable with the team coming in. So, you know, unless um, we've heard back, and I and I haven't heard yet, that the, the federal government is saying, look, we're happy to bring the whole squad in and you have to quarantine and stay for the whole time and then all head back together. Unless if they're saying that's all we're prepared to do, then obviously that would take that option off the table. So maybe I'm missing out on something there. But certainly everyone's view was to say, hey, do you take 45 players plus team management or... Or do you look to mix the squad up, go with 35, bring some in later, some can come home? Um, just how do you manage that? Because, uh, you know, from any sports team, put COVID aside, if, you, if you've kind of got, you know, 40-odd players in, in team management for a long period of time together, but you can only play 23 on the weekend, it, it's, it's quite... You've got a lot of guys time. sitting around. Yeah, man, it's, it's not easy and um, on anyone. And so, you know, it, that, there's that aspect to it as well. But, but like I say, maybe I'm missing out on something here, but... Well, I mean, wanting to this morning it's still on the table as an option to look at. Wanting to go and actually go into two different things, though, aren't they? So, so there there seems to be an acceptance that that some players will opt out. Honestly, I'm the one talking to them, and no one's kind of saying I want to opt out. There might be there might be a couple that, when they look at the final plan, say, 
you know what, given what I've got going on personally at home or whatever, I've got no choice. It won't be because they want to, I can tell you that much. It'll be more because they're actually, once they've seen the final plan, they're in that position to say, man, I've now, I've now got to make a call. But no one's in that, in that space at the moment and no one is saying to me, I'm definitely not going. Hamish, if we come to you, should players be able to opt out? I mean, the inference from Ian Foster, uh, uh, from when we were talking in the week, he's obviously saying that some players got questions, but there was also the underlying, I suppose, message that they're professionals and he expects them to play. I don't expect them to play. That's We jumped, we crossed that bridge decades ago. Well, if they don't want to go, they don't have to go. I mean, we've got all these clauses about rest weeks. We Bowden Barrett starts every season about six weeks yeah. late. We've got sabbaticals for players. Why on earth would we suddenly dig our heels in and say, oh, you must go for these few weeks? It just seems absurd. No, we, the, the New Zealand rugby have acquiesced to this kind of thing for a long time. I, I don't see why this situation would be any different. Yeah, that's, Stephen, it's a really good point that Hamish just made. We, we deal with this every year. This is a little bit unique and different, but we've, we've you know, family is, there's been a big change and it's, um, it's really important to look at individuals and support them and just to be really clear on that, there's not one person, and I've spoken to a lot of people, from Mark Robinson to the New Zealand board to the players to the management, the coaches, every single person will back and support a person if they decide they can't tell whether it's a player or a team management. No issue. Hamish, hey, if we come come back to you, I mean, you've got, um, you, you touched on it earlier there, your, your sabbatical issues. You, you've got a few issues with players getting sabbaticals, haven't you? Well, I just... I just don't really get the idea, and I assume it's player association driven, that you can be paid not to play. And we have to incentivise guys to stay in the country or stay under NZR contract by allowing them to have multiple weeks not playing. We can say, or you can go away for months, you can go away for a year. If guys don't want to play, like, why don't they just get lost? Do you know what I mean? I mean, Rob, where are we at? I mean, we had the pay freeze for, for players. Where, where has that finished up? And that was through. Uh, so, yeah, we froze, I think, $25 million of the $50 million that we had left to pay over the remainder of the eight months of the year. And um, we've slowly been able to unfreeze some of that. Uh, some will obviously end up effectively being written off. But, but things are coming. Yeah, it's been good. Um, you know, everyone's kept their heads up and their eyes open, looked for opportunities. Uh, we've been ready for, for, for when we can get back on the field. I think Super Rugby Aotearoa was a great example of that. Um, everyone was ready to go and they... And they they produce some great footy, which is good, and that keeps commercial partners happy. And now we've got Maori and Farah Palmer Cup, good activity going. If we get some international rugby off off the ground as well, then that's a, that's fantastic, and and that helps to feed not not just um, you know, if you like New Zealand rugby and the different teams and things and the player payment pool and help us to reinstate some of the the wages we'd otherwise frozen, but it, it helps those businesses and and communities that, that depend on, on the rugby to, to, to get a few things ticking over the cafes and all that side of things. So, you know, more, more I suppose, what we're, we're stoked about is it's symptomatic of society being on with things, so that, that's a real bonus. But, um, you know, if you, if you look at that as a common, I, I, I'm not sure. We don't play players to go into common. Effectively, we, we um, freeze their contracts. So speaking of the word frozen, you know, if, you know it's not like... Um, Brody Retallick's getting paid by New Zealand to go and play in, in Japan. He's, we're basically just frozen his contract while he leaves and goes and spends some time basically exactly that on common corporates do it. It's been a long-standing thing that's been done in business and in and, and, um, charitable space for a long, long time. Volunteer services abroad, whatever you want to call it. It's all part of development, growth, um, getting that mix of opportunity um, and being able to grow as a person and, and, and be better at what you do. And, 
that's really where that's all come from, is we figure we're much better off working with individuals, these circumstances, helping them fulfil their aspirations, because if you can help them do that, and it's done in a way that aligns with what the organisation or what the sport in this instance, rugby, is trying to do, then why wouldn't you do it? Why would you just let them get lost? I don't understand that part. But someone like Kaino, right, he went overseas, he came back. It seems like it's a perk. If you do enough time, then your reward is to bail and get a little bit of super and that's not on the NZR books and then come back after that when you feel like it. Like, why, why well, do you have to pander to people? Why, why can't, if they don't want to stay, why, why can't they just go? Well, they can. Yes, so, so but, but why you... Yes, go, but, but there's a number that want to go and come back. And for those players that New Zealand rugby are looking at it and say, we really are very keen to get you back. We actually may or may not want you to go, um, but if you have to go and and that we can see how that can work and we can make that work, then we're happy to make that work because you know, you've proven over a long period of time that you offer a lot to our environments on and off the field. So you are proven, you're an experienced, in a corporate sense, you're an experienced executive who's given, given a lot, and by going away we think you'll be able to come back and give even more. Why wouldn't you do that? It's just smart business. Um, players have said that they find uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa a bit difficult. Um, previously, they didn't like travel. They found that a bit of a burden. It was taxing, time away and all that. So now they're at home and they played in a domestic competition, but that was too difficult. Is it, is it the players' right to decide how difficult the rugby is and how intense they want it to be? Or, or does the governing body get to say, hey, this is what we've arranged for you and you guys can just get on with it? Oh, man, this is, this is full on. Um, hey, just to clarify a couple of things there. Firstly, our players actually thrive on the travel and you know, it can be tough at times when you're spending the time away from home, but you've got to keep that in, in perspective. So, you know, you'll see a number of our guys have come out and said that part of a rugby, the attractiveness of our super rugby environments is the challenge of going and playing at Alice Park. And, and it is the challenge of going and playing with the All Blacks as part of rugby championships. And I actually think that the travel aspect that they've had to, I suppose, work through over the years has actually underpinned World, uh, you know, World Cup success for the Southern Hemisphere nations as well because they have that ability to travel, perform and handle that space. So travel produces its real positives. At times, it can also be challenging and, and we're all aware of that, particularly if you're going around the world three or four times a year. And Susie's probably got more experience than our players at, at, at travel and you know, where it's at. In terms of Super Rugby Aotearoa, you know, we've been around all the players who said what they're saying is they, they actually love it. Like, it's if, you, if you're looking at what an athlete aspires to do, they want to play at the highest possible level. Test match rugby is the highest possible level. The Super Rugby RTRI was only a step off that. So the opportunity to compete at that kind of level with that intensity, that skill set, and the, and the pressure that, that is a part of it, they love that. What they're saying is if you want us to do this week in, week out, our performances are starting are going to compromise. And it's not not so much different than test match rugby. If you ask a player to play, and this is what rugby championship challenge will be, and that's why they're bringing 45 players, if, if you play more than three tier one test matches in a row, your, your performances in, in history showing your performance is going to drop off. So what they're saying is physiologically and physically and mentally, most importantly, if you want to see the best out of us, stay sustainability of this, you, you, we're going to have to change it up or work out how we can allow them to I suppose, come down so that they can come back up and produce those performances that the fans and everyone else wants to see and that they want to be a part of. So it's, it's, they're not complaining. What they're saying is, hey, listen, it's awesome, but just think about this. And, and that's what we're working on at the moment is to say, OK, well, how do we make sure we, we try and manage things in a way that gives the fans and everyone what they want to see? Uh, but at the same time, 
uh, produce an environment where the players can produce those performances, um, you know, week in, week out, get value for the value for the dollar that the people are spending. So, how long is it going to be before you've got a final plan? Do you think? Um, well, there's some things in our control and some not, but we're hoping by the end of next week we've got a real, you know, a pretty clear picture. It's already becoming a little bit clearer now, but some some stuff we've got to we've got to wait on other people, if you like, to get responses through. But hopefully by the end of next week we've got something pretty clear that the team's going into camp next week um, and doing some theming over three or four days, so that'll be a, a good period of time for them. And it would be kind of nice if by the end of that we had something that was kind of you know, getting 90, 95% complete, something to think about. Do you need to have confirmation that South Africa will be coming for that, or could you sort of move forward just with two return Bledisloe tests? It's a good question, Joe. It's, um, we would still go for the Bleds, I think, as, as everyone's view. So, you know, you could actually leave it quite late in a way um, because, you know, we, we obviously we want to play the two Bleds here, which will be fantastic, and we're very fortunate to be in that position. And, um, and then if we head to Australia, uh, we'd still go to play the Bleds anyway. And then obviously be able to come back early, which I think on the dates where you play two or three bleds, you'd get back towards the end of November um, after quarantine. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're looking at. And um, look, I mean, as Susie will tell you, all of the athletes are, we're in perspective here. This is sport against a worldwide pandemic, you know, and that, that managing that takes a priority. And I can tell you now, the players are just absolutely stoked to be playing, whether they're playing club, minor team, for the All Blacks or whatever. They're stoked to be out there, but if we can't play rugby championship, definitely the Bleds, and then look at some other options as well. Susie, you're in the middle of quarantine. What's taking the most adjustment for you? Oh, yeah, we've been pretty lucky, really. Obviously, um, Brisbane and Cricket Australia have led us into Queensland, and we've got sort of three floors of a hotel for the team, and we're allowed out once a day. So today, training's at 3 o'clock, and we get out for a couple of hours, and then the next day, it's in the morning. So we get sort of two hours at training. Um, The food gets delivered to the top floor. Um, It's pretty good food, really. It's just probably um, getting a bit same-same, so we can't complain too much, though. Um, But, yeah, probably the biggest thing for us is just the COVID test. I think we've had three or four so far. But other than that, um, we knew what the deal was when we got here, and um, the setup's pretty good in terms of us being able to interact, and we know when we're allowed outside, so everyone looks forward to that. I mean, the... uh... Interesting point during the week too. The, the Aussie crowds have been told they've got to keep the noise down for, for upcoming games. Um, concerns that shouting could lead to spreading COVID. Um, keeping Aussie crowds quiet would seem a bit of an impossible task, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, hopefully our cricket will be keeping them quiet anyway so they won't have any problems. There'll be nothing to cheer about. But, yeah, that does seem a little bit interesting. Um, The games seem to be sold out. I think they were only allowed 50% capacity, but they sold out in about three hours. So it's going to be nice to at least play in front of some crowds. Uh, How much of an issue was it for for the White Ferns to to make the call to, to, to go and go through the whole quarantining process? I mean, how much thought did you have to give it? Yeah, to be honest, um, there wasn't that much thought. I think we'd had six months off, and when there was the opportunity to play, especially against Australia, um, from my understanding, pretty much everyone jumped at that. We've had um, a couple of players pull out. um, One of our players is still in Scotland and couldn't get home, and another one for personal reasons. Um, I guess in terms of family, we've been really fortunate that Amy and Leah have been able to bring their young baby, 
best with them. So um, she's in quarantine with us, which has been great. But yeah, I think everyone is not looking forward to those two weeks at the back end. But I think the fact that we get four weeks in Australia to train and play, um, we were pretty excited, really. I think if it happens, um, you know, too soon after this and people have to quarantine again, and it's going to have to um, be looked at in terms of the schedule. But there's a group of us that are staying on for Big Bash, so we're over here until December, and so the quarantine is all worth it. Uh, oh, no, New Zealand cricket seems to be in talks to try and get the Black Caps that are playing in the uh, IPL a, a shorter uh, quarantining process or, or a different quarantining process because they'll obviously be coming back, assuming tours in bound go ahead. You're you hoping you might have a similar situation? Yeah, I think um, the girls that leave after this tour, it's going to be a, a government quarantine, um, so they're not too excited about that. But fingers crossed, I think there's six of us in the WBBL um, who will head back sort of 1st of December. And, yeah, we're hoping that there's going to be some um, sort of training bubble for us so we can get back into domestic cricket. But um, that's obviously all up in the air, but that would be an ideal scenario. And what are the processes that, I mean, maybe just talk us through how, how a day unfolds for you as you, you go through sort of getting up, staying in your bubble, getting to training, back again? Yeah, so we're, um, we pretty much get up and breakfast is delivered upstairs and it's all in individual packages. So we're allowed to... Um, eat that but sort of social distancing is kind of key when we're all together um we then the one of the niggly parts is um you're only allowed three in the service lifts to get us down to ground floor so kind of takes us half an hour to um all get on the lift and onto the bus and we've got to wear masks on the bus and then we sort of take two buses we've got to socially distance on the bus and go straight to training, we get temperature checks as we walk in, um, and then once we're at training, we're free for a couple of hours to run around and train pretty much as normal. There's a few restrictions on sharing balls and just you know being careful with um, yeah, not too much interaction there, and then get back on the bus another half hour to get everyone back up the lift, um, and then another meal time, and um, that's about it really. We have got access to a gym on the top floor that we can all use, which is handy, and there's a ping pong table which keeps most of the girls entertained. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what a day looks like. So you'll be counting down to, to end time. <laughs> yeah, I think we're what we've got uh, Thursday the seventeenth. We've all got in our diaries is the day we've actually got to practice a couple of practice matches against Australians, and that's where we're going to have a little bit more freedom. We can go down and go for a walk, but um, we're still not able to go to restaurants. I think we can order in Uber Eats by then, so we can change up our our meals. Um, but we've still got to be um, pretty careful, I think, and make sure that we get through the tour. What what is it you're looking forward to the most? What what's going to be top of the list come that October that that date? I think just like waking up in the morning and you look out your window and it's a beautiful sunny day and for example today the bus doesn't come till ten past three so I'm looking forward to just being able to get up and go outside for a walk in the sun and maybe get a takeaway coffee. Although Katie Martin has run a very good uh, cafe here. She bought a coffee machine over with all-pressed coffee beans, so we've had a cafe on the 28th floor, which has been pretty good. And so your barista skills are going all right too? Uh, I'm okay. I'm just not very good with the milk, so I tend to call someone in for that, but I can get the shot okay. Well done. Well done.
Well, that brings us to the end of Extra Time. My thanks to Susie Bates, Rob Nicol, Hamish Bidwell and Joe Porter. Extra Time is available every Friday from about 4pm. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, iHeartRadio and, of course, rnz.co.nz. Give us a rating if you would. That helps a whole lot and means other listeners can find us much more easily too. I'm Stephen Hewson. And I, I know. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.